Welcome to another episode of the Vintners Podcast. This is episode nine. And I am very happy to have Stefanetti here from Gutegau, uh, from Bergenland in Austria, um, who are probably one of the forerunners of the natural wine movement uh, in the region, in the country, uh, probably in the world. Um, and if you <laughs> haven't tried their wines yet, I urge you to do so. Um, welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me. Thanks thank for having you, us. Yes, thank you for having us. And it's amazing that you have this platform or you use a platform to, you know, like for all of us crazy guys to, um, to, um, to spread our thoughts and love and yeah. Crazy cool. in, a, in, a, in, a, in the best way possible, I would say. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, well, let's just start with, you know, how you guys got into wine. Your, your basically, let's say, origin story. How, how did it all start it? <sighs> I know you've said this many, many times. <laughs> to be honest, it's a very long time ago. <laughs> no, I mean, I started, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I come from a family who is owning a, a restaurant, a restaurant Daubenkobel. My father was one of the leaders in, in Austria for cooking. My mother is, I think, was or is there sommelier in Austria because she was uh, one of the first females. She was also one of the first who got really into natural wine. And um, yeah, you grow up in a family like this and you, you get a little bit this passion, even though then I was 20 and I was thinking, okay, maybe I should uh, study art, which I did, and um, to get away from home. But at the end, you know, like, the passion really catched me and yeah. And I was since then in gastronomy, in a little bit in wine, even though I had no clue about wine. And then I met this, this uh, beautiful human being. And yeah, and then the, the rest is history, I think. <laughs> and I come from, from Styria, from southern part of Austria. My parents used to grow wine as well. Uh, back in the 70s, 80s, my parents have also been pioneers for quality wine in that area. Um, but yeah, I, I decided to move to Burgenland. So I didn't have any like viticultural education as such, um, studied business administration. But uh, my wife, uh, beautiful Steffi here, she, she encouraged me, motivated me to go to Burgenland. And when, when we met, when we got engaged, when we got married, for us was obviously, um, we both wanted to create something together. And wasn't so obvious it would be a vineyard you know we could have done a restaurant a wine bar whatever as well but still looking back now we think or we feel that the place found us to the same extent as we found this place so we bought this old kind of abandoned estate and got everything back in shape and started to grow wine in 2007 yeah and the rest is history 15 years ago now it's a it's a, it's a nice it's a nice number um well, so our winery said, is, is in the teenage years now. Yes. Oh. Growing up, growing up. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of hormones, I guess. <laughs> 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 um, but, 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 but nothing nothing synthetic. We're obviously talking here about natural wine and by the yeah, yeah. natural um, hormones. When when uh, when you said, <laughs> Steffi, when you said you wanted to study art and do art, I, I think I kind of think making craft wine or natural wine is is a form of art would you would you agree 
Of course. I mean, it's beautiful that you say it. I wouldn't say it because <laughs> I'm raised that you don't say things like this uh, about your own. But of course, like at the end, how we see wine, it's it's life, you know, like and life is art. It's everything is connected. It's it's not only the truth which you have in the glass. It's about yeah, architecture, nature, books, clothes, uh, raising kids. It's everything, you know, like and this is yeah, the, the beauty of of art and life that we can all mix this together. Yeah, I, I think when we um... When I interviewed you last year for, for my article, you said, you said natural wine is not just the way we make wine, but it's also a lifestyle. Um, so I think, I think that's what you were, you were trying to get at. Yes. But also from, from your very beginning in 2007, I think you've progressed a lot and developed. And uh, the newest development that I witnessed when I was there is now you introduced horses and you're, you're, you're working with your horses in the vineyards. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we had this in, a mind, in our minds for quite a while, because obviously, aside from the energy those animals bring to the vineyard, of course, for the soil, it's, it's really, really a big relief to have horses walking across rather than a tractor driving across with all the compression, the soil, and the problem uh, causing through this. So we thought about this for a long, long time, but it needed the right impulse, the right timing. So it's been two and a half, year, nearly three years now, we started working with our first horse. And now we have three of them. And we cannot cover all our vineyards yet, because basically what we do on the, on the vineyards, which are like normally planted as such, we do the plowing underneath the vines with the horses. Um, this we do to a certain extent, um, a few vineyards we cover 100%, a few vineyards not yet. But also we, we started growing uh, or planting vineyards ourselves back in 2018 in a stock culture training system, very dense planting, one meter times one meter. So in those vineyards, obviously, the only chance to work is either by hand or by horse. So that's where we intensely use them and work with them. Yeah, and it's much more than just just a, a, like a step into more, say, natural farming. It's so much more energy the vineyards get, and it's so much more going into this holistic approach, which is so crucial, you know. So animals play a huge role in nature. Like in the wild, you always have animals crossing a forest or whatever. And the monocultural systems, agricultural-wise, usually those animals have been banned from the, from the land, and we're bringing them back in. And yep. the horses, they, they, they love to work the vineyards as well. The plants, they feel super happy. We feel super happy. So it really gives a certain push to all, all of us, you know, the team, the vines, ourselves. So it's a huge, huge impact those, those wonderful creatures have created on our estate. Yeah, I, th I think when you, you know, years ago, I think 15 years ago, when I started working with wine and you started your winery, um, when, when I told somebody, you know, at a, at a wine shop that, uh, you know, this person is farming with a horse, they kind of just imagined it as, a, as like a fairy tale thing, very romantic. And, you know, it's, it's just like a marketing thing. But I think there's way more to it than just being marketing. And also, obviously, it is much, uh, you're much more involved when you're with a horse than when you're just using a machine. So, so uh, 
marketing measures. So that's <laughs> exactly. And I also think um, the whole the whole movement, the natural wine movement, uh, you know, biodynamic farming, and people going in in this direction more and more um, is also kind of a response. And I always say this: the natural wine movement was response to all the you know, industrial wines that were being made and, uh, and wines that, you know, tasted the same in, you know, in Argentina and in Bordeaux or in, you know, Bordeaux and in Serbia, depending on, on um, it was really, you know, the wine, the winemaker who was um, pushing this and creating the wine instead of really relying on the soil. What would you say about the natural wine movement and your whole philosophy, really. I mean, like Edward said, like when we started also three years ago with the horses, it's a non non-stopping movement. You know, like you never, you you you're never done. You know, like it's not something. And this is also the beautiful thing when you farm like we do, and if you take it really seriously, it's something which is an ongoing process in your life. And I think also in 20 years, maybe we will sit here when we're still alive and nothing happens, you know, you never know. Um, we still have something new coming up because you, you, you are learning, you're evolving, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're trying to do the best with nature as possible. And I think the movement is amazing because at the end, it's the only way it's the only way farming can can be nowadays. I mean, we don't need to go, go into more deep. I think it's uh, obvious, you know, like what happened in the last years. It ruined our earth. It ruined our um, uh, soil. It ruined everything. You know, like it's 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 a must at the end, not a have to. It's a must to work like this, at least organic. And I think this movement is amazing, and we welcome all of the people to join us that's why we have an open house always like also during the vegetation during harvest we have lots of interns that they really get to know the farming process what it means what it takes the time the costs we involve them really much it's not a secret to do these amazing wines like good good Oka does and that's why you know like yeah i mean welcome to each of of the people who are joining the club you know yeah, the the big difference, say, if you want to put natural wine into reference or say natural farming, whatever, it doesn't only mean wine, is if you take it seriously, of course, it's about the product quality, you know, because we're all happy to have raving wines in the bottle and to have a nice, nice evening drinking a few of them. But that's important, but equally important, even more important is the process quality. So it means all the process bringing us to the ripe, healthy grapes, which then create this beautiful wine. The process is so much more essential than anything else. And that's also what we really want to point on, what we want to like, show, what we want to share, because the farming is what, what matters in the end, you know? Yeah, I think um, the success of natural wine also drove a lot of people who maybe don't farm organically to try and so on. And without listing any names, I've I've uh, I've tried some wines that that um, were were made according to the nat let, let's say the natural uh, approach. So without 
adding yeast without adding anything. And it just doesn't really work. Um, a lot of times the wines don't ferment completely because the yeasts are, that, are, that are wild are just probably not existent because of the spraying. Um, and, and it kind of, you can see that there is something nervous about the wines uh, and something that probably came from that energy from the person creating them the, because they were nervous to, to completely uh, convert their vineyards and then the wine turned out that way. Um, so what you're saying, basically, that the, the process in the vineyard is, is, uh, is very, very important, probably the most important. It's essentially, it's everything. It's the, it's everything, you know. And this is something, of course, I mean, like you said before, marketing, now people like really getting into natural wine because they, they, they feel like that it's uh, working for them better than the other one because, of course, the customers or the clients or private um, uh, people are more aware of through internet, through social medias, what is going on in this uh, wine scene. Of course, maybe they find a way how to 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 uh, produce a wine like this. But you know, like we never looked left and right. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, talk, talking about this, and you know, a lot of times people say natural winemakers or biodynamic winemakers are just in the vineyards. They don't really, they don't do. Uh, they're not very good at sales and. Obviously, a lot of them are. I think I think you guys have done really good uh, job with with your branding, um, with all the family members and everything. Um, I would actually like to talk about this because I realized just before this call that I don't think we have ever uh, talked about this before. So can you can you tell me a, a bit of a background story about the the faces on your labels and the the family really that you have created? Yeah, it's fun because, you know, nowadays everybody's crazy about what we did back in 2007. And even then we knew um, it's the best and the, the only way to, to, to visualize what's behind the wines. But back then everybody thought we were crazy, you know, having those, those faces on the labels and not talking about grape varietals as such. But again, also why this happened was certainly because of the sense of place. You know, we took over this vineyard already as mentioned in 2007, quite poorly treated. Uh, the winery as such was abandoned. So, of course, for us, biodynamics was the way to produce, to keep up with those old vines, to revitalize them, to keep them in shape or get them back in shape. Um, so that was the farming part, say. The, the processing part, because the term natural wine hasn't even been born back then, the processing part for us, was simply to find out about the potential of the vineyards, the storytelling, the future there is, the soil types, whatever, how they taste. We both decided we could only like go for this if we don't do any makeup on the wines, you know? So the only reference point to start with would be juices which are not treated in any ways, uh, pure juices as such. And, and that's how we, we like jumped into this say now common sense of natural wine idea. And it was really astonishing for us how in the first year during fermentation afterwards, how alive those juices would taste and feel and how unique and really literally it felt those wines for us, they felt like personalities with different characters. And one night, like late, of course, 
we were brave enough to make the decision to to not describe our wines as they were used to used to be described, but we would describe them as if they were the personalities we feel they are in the barrels. And those personal profile we we transferred into faces. So the faces on the labels are fictional. It's like a fictional wine family. There's no reference to any living, acting persons, whatever. But it's several generations because the vineyards would give us certain expressions. Say there's vineyards more on the gravel soil with a rather youthful expression, like a cheeky character, kind of more, say, innocent, sometimes late puberty, jumping personalities. So that's the young generation. Parent generation is those vineyards, which are, of course, in terms of texture, structure, expression, more serious, more life experienced. And there's a grandparent generation coming from our oldest vineyards. Of course, they are full of wisdom, but they might be a little bit grumpy once in a while. So that's how we characterize our wines and our, our vineyards, more or less. That's, I, I, I think that's, that's, uh, that's a great, uh, that's great branding, just, just a really good job. And, and uh, you know, it just proves that it's not just, uh, you know, farmers. And then once the wine is bottled, it's like, dependent on somebody else. I think you, you have done a, an amazing job and not just for yourself, but really for the whole region, the whole country and the movement. Um, I, I think Gutuga wines are now recognized uh, by, by a lot of people in the wine world. Um, speaking of, of you know, the, the expression of the vineyard and, and uh, you know, these places you were saying you, you really just wanted pure juice. So, so also you can learn from what you really have and what you're working with. Um, one of the, the issues that natural wine has been facing <laughs> for years is that a lot of these wines are not accepted, um, quote unquote, not accepted by the, the governments because they're being they're basically just different expressions of what um, the conventional uh, wineries are doing. So, and nowadays, I think there's more than ever um, kind of a push that natural wine should be quote unquote, again, legal and should get, you know, so basically um, you guys can only write, well, you're writing right now that your wine is only from Austria, but you're not listing the region you're not listing the single vineyards or you know any really places that you have um what what do you think about this I, I we've discussed this before but i would love for listeners to also hear this yeah in the end you know i mean we where, where, where to start um talk of the wines of origin terroir whatever of course only natural would carry the, the real terroir expression, both in, in vintage and vineyards and all those things going on, because if you take in vinification, every step you take in, in the same more chemical treatment, in the, make the wines more similar, you know, because it, it kills a little bit or it, it lowers a little bit of the beauty, of the vitality, of the unique character of, of each single vineyard, each single grape, whatever you talk about. So in the ideal world, a wine of orange, vineyard wine, whatever, to our understanding, would have to be naturally produced. Otherwise, it's not the reference point, the real one. You know, if what's the use of having a certain 
terroir wine and wine of appellation if the standard says it needs to taste like this because a vineyard a site is unique an age of vines is unique whatever the, the topography so you cannot make them taste the same unless you level down the the uniqueness and you level down the vitality and, and whatever makes sense for for the real wines as such so personally we we are not unhappy not to be part of the system you know on the same hand it's quite uh, worth mentioning like years ago nobody was talking about this and then the discussion came up and now it's obviously a huge topic not necessarily to my understanding because those growers like us need the appellation system but it's because they, it's the other way around you know like say austria for example if you look around the world say in new york wherever in the best restaurants of the world there is wines from austria mainly not categorized mainly not in the appellation system mainly natural wines so it's actually the say the so-called establishment probably having to open the doors to a certain extent having to integrate having to embrace that movement just to be taken seriously also in the future. And you see it in many vineyards around in Austria, but all over the world, there is a certain need for, for vineyards to at least convert in terms of organics, biodynamics, the vineyards, the, the way they farm. And that might bring in the future also an understanding that if you change the way of farming, if you change the way of treatment in the vineyards, necessarily you have a, cha a change in style in the wine as well. And necessarily to pronounce this beauty, you will have to take a step back. So there's a certain evolution going on. Personally, we don't need to be part of the system, honestly, unless the system really takes it seriously and goes for what the real stuff is. But that's, I mean, it's a long, long way to go. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's, I mean, when you think about it, it's so, um, it's a paradox that somebody who, uses yeast that are created in a lab, maybe not even in Austria, can use those yeasts, which influence the taste of the wine, filter the wine, you know, spray the vineyards and all this. And then they are, they belong to this wine of origin um, thing. They can put on the label that they're from Bergenland or from the Wachau or from Styria or or even from, I don't know, Loire Valley, it doesn't matter. We don't have to just stick in Austria. This is a global problem. But then people who are not doing anything and are just using the fruit from these places uh, yeah. are, not, are not included in, into this. And I don't blame you that you don't want to be part of it because at this point, you don't want to put on, uh, on the label that your wine is from Bergenland if somebody who's using all these yeast and is completely changing the taste of Bergenland is allowed to do it. Um, I just am trying to understand where is the disconnect because before we had um, industrial yeast, before we had the, the chemicals and all this, um, there, was, there was only one taste, the, the taste of where, where the, the, the wine comes from. And for about 8,000 years, this was the taste and this was completely normal. And then in the last seven years, somebody just said, okay, no, now we're changing what Bergenland tastes like or what, uh, uh, I don't know. Pronounce. Yeah, but I think to be honest, I mean, you're completely right, but I think you have to go a little bit in a different direction because if you see like eight, eight years ago, you know, like people knew, okay, what their origin is, for example, with wine or with vegetables or whatsoever. 
because they had the connection also, I mean, to the earth, but also to the cosmic, you know, like they had the fine antenna still to realize what is good and was not, you know. And with all the years and all this generation, what we lost, and this is something which is a really huge problem, and I think also in our generations already, but also in the next generations, that the, the sensitivity or the, the, the antennas like for energy is completely missing with people, you know, like and everything, what they need to do is to put everything in a box to get things, you know, like um, normalized for them, you know, like, and this is a huge problem because I think there were so many generation who, for example, I don't know, worked for, for, for us to be not in a box and now we put everything in the box. It doesn't matter if, we talk about people, we put them in a box, we need to put wine in a box, we need to put everything that it's, you know, like, I don't know, if it's, yeah. you know, like we lost so much the, the connection to everything, you know, like, and this is something which we need to learn again as fast as possible. If not, we didn't, we didn't live at the end, you know. And the, the, the strange thing in the wine, as Jeffy said, lots of things have been standardized and kind of industrialized, fair enough. But that's still the, say, this considered top wines in the world are very much standardized, you know? Like, say, in restaurants, foods, actually, it's, it's okay, you know? You have those fast food chains, why not? People want to go for a burger, they want to know what to expect. I don't, we don't touch on this. That's, that's the way it is, it's good. But none of those standardized production uh, restaurants would make it to the top 50 of the world, say. But in wine, it's more like the, the standardized production, which is the top 50, like officially recognized, and, and those which work individually, like those, say, like very sensitive chefs in restaurant wines, uh, restaurant world, those wine growers, they're not considered as such, and not as typical. And so it's a little bit strange, but this is also breaking up, because I think wine industry has really been good at suggesting the last 40 years, 30 years, that wine is a drink, but actually it is an agricultural produce. It is a produce which needs to be farmed. And that's certainly down to the natural wine movement to make people understand this to a certain degree and to make people aware of that. We still have to point off on that, you know. You cannot, you cannot have a uh, living wine, a wine with a certain depth, if, if the vineyard is dead, you know. That's, that's really, really crucial and essential to understand. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point and uh, and a great comparison because I think when it comes to wine, people are just even more disconnected than than what you were you were saying, Sophie. When with food, because we all eat food, not everybody drinks wine, but with food, we all eat food, and we all know that McDonald's is a fast food chain, and nobody considers McDonald's to be the best of the best. You know, you go to Dublin Cobell or you go to uh, Noma or you go to like restaurants like this if for the best of the best. Um, it's actually uh, I was talking also to my dad and then we'll we'll move on from this, I promise. But uh, they, they were just in Mexico for the first time and they had bananas in Mexico. And my dad said, I never had a banana that tasted like this. It was we picked, you know, they picked it from a tree and they just gave it to us and it tastes completely different than anything I've ever had. And this is, this is exactly what kind of we're, we're talking about. 
<laughs> so, you know, because most bananas that come to New York or, you know, I grew up in Serbia, my parents were, they come kind of like green on a, on a boat they, and, and stuff like this. So, yeah, and that's also, I mean, good reference for those who are listening to us because also people obviously are not so much aware of wine production, but it's a little bit the same, you know, we, we pick the fruit like the ripe banana from the tree in Mexico, the, the grapes, and yep. immediately like gently process them in a way to, to preserve what is there. Whereas of course, there's also a way to produce by picking the grapes way too early and then like add anything to the wine, stabilize them, take some acidity away, put some sugar in, whatever is possible in the, in the modern winemaking technique. But also, you, if you work with a perfectly ripe and balanced fruit, as we do, you don't need to add anything. You don't need to take anything away. You can rely on this pure juice. If you make compromise in picking, if you make compromise in the vineyards, you have to start interfering. You have to start treating the wines to keep them stable, to keep them alive, whatever it takes. And that's the essential difference also. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. And that's... We're we're in this situation now where where is I don't I don't even know how important it is to see uh, the region on the label or or the appellation on the label. Um, and but what's what's very interesting to me is that in certain regions, for example, in the Jura, uh, natural wine producers have the origin on the label, or in Burgundy you know, a lot of them also have the origin on the label. So it seems to me like it's, you know, in the areas where mo most of the producers are farming this way or making wine this way, these wines are okay. But then in certain, certain parts where actually like majority of the people are making industrial wine, then the natural wine is not allowed. Would you agree? Oh, yes, certainly yes. for the reason of, of like the say industrial wine protecting itself from that you know of course i mean people always have a very romantic idea of agriculture but in the end it's a it's a big big business you know and there's lots of lobbying involved and politicians are depending on, on like say support they get from those big companies but imagine how how like I mean, we farm 25 hectares. We don't need any, say, spraying devices, chemical sprayings. We don't need any fertilizers. We don't need any yeast to ferment, no enzymes, whatever it takes. Imagine how much money companies don't make with us, which they would make with a 25 hectares estate working conventionally. So that's a money which, which lacks, you know, for the industry. So of course they, they protect and they try to, to kind of, um, like, uh, lobby to not making the, this movement strong that's a fact you know so and it's uh, i mean it's of course a bit the culture but it's much more even down to, to say the farming of grains or whatever vegetables because we're talking of of course much more uh, agricultural land here much more production worldwide so it's huge clash of interest in the end you know and, and still all the decision makers in politics, they are depending on the certain support, money, whatever. And it's not just about idealism. Unfortunately, it should be. And there's enough alarm bells ringing all over the world for years now. I'm not sure when or if people will wake up, but it's high, high time, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, and you can you can say the same thing uh, for the meat industry as well. For example, yeah. like you will never the mass produced um, meat, like the you know the animals that are treated in such ways and so on. This there's there's a an immense amount of 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 money that is that is uh, pumped into this, and if everybody stopped. Um, you know, eating this meat or drinking industrial wine, this would be a, probably a big economical uh, impact. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that was that was a heavy topic, but uh, I think I think a really good one. Yeah, but it's um, important. I I totally agree. Um, I'm gonna go to something lighter now. I'm gonna ask you, uh, kind of for the end, um, to tell me you were just on vacation and. Um, but just in general, your private life, uh, what, what are some of the, the wines that you would like to highlight from your colleagues that you like to drink or something that impressed you in the, in the last month or so? Other than yours, your wines, so it has to be from colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, we never drink our own wines. <laughs> well, actually, you did mention that before, yes. <laughs> No, the, the problem is, I mean, maybe Ada wants to point out someone, but we have so many friends who are colleagues and farmers. If we want, would point only a few out, it would be not nice to the others because they're all beautiful, amazing wine producers, farmers. And yeah, for me, it's very, very difficult. And it always, it's, it always depends on your own mood, you know, like how you, yeah. How you are in How which mood feeling? You are. The temperature outside. Who are you with? <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I, I agree. No, I totally agree as well. And and you know, we we have huge respect for anybody who's yes. taking it seriously again, especially in the processing quality. And there's more and more around, luckily. And yeah, so you know, we are attracted by wines which give us a good feeling, you know, which make us feel good. And that's basically down to how the vineyards feel and how the vines are in shape. If this, this energy, this feeling can be put into the bottle or not. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold you uh, too much longer. Uh, is there anything that you would like to mention or update, give us any updates on, on the vintage or whatnot before we, before we leave? Yeah, I mean, of course we are like, Today is the 2nd of August, so we are looking ahead into harvest preparations already. Yeah. As always, we will certainly start harvesting in, in August. It's quite common recently, um, we have quite hot temperatures, very, very low rain, so hardly any, any rain. And it's really like going into stress of the vines to a certain extent. But of course, with biodynamics, we have, we have the tools in the hand to give the vineyards a certain support and to relieve some stress. But I mean, you know, people are still talking about climate change in our area and in many others, the change has already happened. So it's a new reality, we have to face it. And even more so with things going on around, you know, dear friends and colleagues had their vineyards burned in South of France only recently. So it's huge, huge topics coming up. So yeah, now even more so, I mean, we don't wanna, we don't wanna like be on a mission as such, but we certainly wanna point out the fact that everybody out there 
can make a certain change and that's basically down to the choice of consumption which you can take on a daily basis you know in terms of farming it means choosing some whatever you eat whatever you drink some at least cautiously farmed sustainably farmed produces which will probably not not heal the world on a single day but if it's growing into a movement certainly farming can also heal the world in many many ways Absolutely. Are you seeing that your um, um, vineyards are a little more resilient or, or a little more uh, adapt a little more to the changes because of the way that you farm? Sure, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I, I, uh, I hear that from a lot of uh, biodynamic uh, farmers, not just fitness, but farmers in general. Um, okay, well, thank you very much for joining me. I think uh, I'll save the topic of climate change for the next time we talk. Because <laughs> that, that will be another 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, minimum, minimum. Minimum. 30 minutes for, for the podcast and probably uh, three bottles of wine if, if we were not recording anything. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for joining, uh, as always. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you soon again. And for everybody thank else, thanks for having us. Thank yeah, you. And for everybody yeah. else, seek out good to go wines. They're, they're amazing and uh, are made by these beautiful people. Thank you.